All the devices are ringing in my ear. Can you hear me? Okay, I, I'm speaking to you. I am speaking to you. <laughs> Can you can you hear me now? Hello. Testing one two three one two three one two three. Can you hear me now? Hello. Hello. Bollocks. Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Yes, it's it's yes, it's passable. Only passable. Just one second. Let it's me just see got I... it's got lots of of hiss. That's just me. I have lots of hiss. Yeah. No. I th- we can we can work with this. And our singing was so good at the start. <laughs> were, were you recording when you were singing? Because maybe Sam could bring it in as a theme tune or something. <laughs> I think I do have it, but I think in the interest of sanity, I'll, I'll send it along. It's different from the usual drivel in. In this uh, way. No, it's not. Can you hear me better now? Yeah, it's better. Okay, it's a microphone problem. I'm not sure why. Okay, huh, well, let's get going again. That was The Joy of Tech, our new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> how, to, how, how to have FaceTime calls with relatives you don't want to speak to. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that you even would consider me a relative. Like a, a relative annoyance in your life? Or? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. We were merely professionals uh acting for the purposes of our subject i see okay uh how are you sir you know i i i've gone through a roller coaster of of developer emotions this week but i ended up happy yesterday a roller coaster of developer emotions yes okay so let, let's start uh, roller coasters start slow and at the bottom is that where we're starting <laughs> yes and then and then you have that 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 bad feeling in the pit of your stomach as you're going <laughs> up the hill it's like this was a bad idea and then and you, then you to the top you leave your stomach at the top as you go back down the hill and then yes yes <laughs> all right <laughs> hopefully, tell, tell hopefully throwing up on some people some spectators as you pass by so they, that's right you remember. need to look upwards and sideways as you throw up so that it goes behind you I remember I was on a, I was I was on a fishing boat once. Uh, I was with my daughter who had been um had never been on a boat at sea, not a small boat, she'd been on a ferry and things. Um and uh she was quite young and we were on a vacation and she was telling me how um how she was going to be a round the world yachtswoman and um she was going to do a solo trip around the world. And uh, so on that same holiday, I took her out fishing on a little fishing boat uh, onto the sea where we were both violently sick for about four hours. <laughs> she never spoke about being a yachtsman again after that. Exactly. Pretty similar how she gave up her hopes for being an Olympic ping pong player after you beat her. Um, but, <laughs> but the point is, anyway, just sorry, I... I I was at one point trying to fish, trying to be sick, and I thought I'm going to lean over the side. And so I leant over the side and was sick. And just as I was sick, a gust of wind came along, took my vomit, took it about uh, 10 yards down the boat and brought it back into another fisherman's face. <laughs> oh, wow. And I, I just looked the other way and pretended it wasn't me at all. <laughs> it's like fucking I seagulls. <laughs> I don't think he knew. He just thought it was spray off the sea, but it was actually my vomit. <laughs> And this is another podcast title. I don't know if this is spray off the sea or two old men vomiting into a microphone. 
<laughs> that would be a great iTunes review. If somebody would like to give that as an iTunes review, because <laughs> I haven't checked our reviews for a while, but I don't think we've had one for a long, long time. <laughs> it was over reason. a year last time I checked, yes, but there we are. Yes. Thank you, listener. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, I detract you from your important and relevant information. Yeah. All right, well, I think I had mentioned that I was working on... on uh, yeah, another place where I could bring dynamic type into the application and, and, you know, I was feeling all confident that, hey, you know, I managed to figure it out in this in this other area and it worked nicely. And and um, uh, and so I thought, OK, well, great. How hard could this be? And as it turned out, it actually was uh, quite a bit difficult. So let me try and explain some of the things. So, you know, we've been uh, using, a, you know, uh, an action sheet controller, which is uh, in a bunch of different places, because you know, I think it was with iOS 13 that they made the change that, you know, uh, by default, when you present a, a view controller modally, it doesn't actually completely occlude the screen. There's a little grab handle and it's designed to to, to kind of give a, a peek to what's behind it. And so you you see it in lots of different apps, including, of course, Apple apps. In fact, even while I was configuring the AirPods for the umpteenth million time beforehand, an action sheet controller was used below it. And that's just the generic name for it. Um, and so we started using it in a bunch of different places. Uh, we recently shipped, you know, the... the uh, continue watching menu that I spoke about last time. Um, and so, you know, when that was created, it was created with the idea that, you know, we're going to go to, through to do some work and we should reuse it, you know, multiple places that, so that you do the animation curves and the accessibility support and, and, and the look support and all those things in one place. Um, and that's great. And so then so it was used so far in two other places and I was going to bring it now to a fourth place. So it always makes me happy when, when I can do that. And the application I was going to use it here is something else I've spoken about, which is the 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 ex extended credit support. Um, and so, you know, and I thought that while well, while I was going to do this, you know, action sheet controllers, oftentimes, you know, they're they're just simple uh, table views. E even if they're even if it's done with a collection view, it's just kind of a vertical scrolling list with cells of of different sizes and shapes. And and um, if if everything can can fit within the the you know, easily fit within a screen, then that's great. You want it to basically size to the, the height of all its content. And if not, then you let it scroll and, and maybe you have some items that are pinned to the top, like the close button and perhaps the title. And so, you know, I was looking at this like, ah, it's just be a piece of cake, no problem. So I'll make some necessary foundational changes to, to enable, you know, that. And then I'll go about my merry way of doing things which were have slightly different, you know, cell requirements. None of this is, is stuff that I haven't done a million times before who hasn't, you know, you, you can't build an app without having done table views and, and then after that collection views. Um, and so anyway, I was, you know, everything's great. And then as I go through and and look at it, that the, the, the one of the requirements for its use is the continue watching um, uh, menu item is the ability to to change your, your thumb rating for it. So things have to, to animate in and out. And that's when things got complicated because you're removing items from a cell or adding to them and you want to fade the, you know, you want, may want to animate the appearance of the cells themselves. Maybe you fade them out or, you know, there are different animation options you can have. And then you need to recalc at the same time, recalculate what the new height is going to be after you've added cells or removed them so that the entire table view can, can have its size recalculated. And then through the magic of constraints, you can, you can adjust the height of the item itself and, and, and animate. So you have essentially two things that are animating at the same time. And I think, okay, well, no problem with that. Ah, but that became trickier because once you support dynamic type, 
part of the things that happen to it is is you might change the type size so much you may really jack it up to the the highest accessibility sizes such that you know you'll have multiple lines and that can make calculations different and difficult because the old way was able to work on some assumptions that that the that in a very kind of simple menu each of the different cells would be a fixed height so when you're calculating the height for something you remove an item you just kind of do a little bit more math. Are you going to do five times your fixed row height or six or four or three or whatever? And you can know that before you begin the animation. When you're doing dynamic cell height, which done with auto layout, where you basically allow each cell to, to size itself. And there's a, there was a new option that came some time ago for, for table views and collection views with self-sizing cells. Um, and there you don't have to, to implement the delegate methods that say, how big, you know, what, what's, the, what's the height of this cell at index path? So anyway, um, that became really tricky. And, and then the other thing is the way that it had been constructed is that there were kind of some assumptions that, that really that, that you would have a small number of items, four or five, that would easily fit on a non-scrolling table view. But again, once you start jacking up with, with dynamic type, even the titles of some things will just the, the title of the, the, the sheet itself may go to multiple lines. And that's particularly the case for, for long titles, right? So if I'm going to be inspecting the contents of Kimmy Schmidt's, you know, extra new dynamic, you know, uh, meets her uncle interactive title, that's already, you know, a much longer title than say, you know, 13 reasons um, uh, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and so anyway, you know, it, it was like one of these things where everything was was woven together. No single part of it was working properly, or maybe one single part would work properly, but the other things wouldn't. And I was just getting all disheartened. And then on top of that, you know, this was stuff where, you know, the, a lot of the supporting code for this, view models and, and view controllers and so on and so forth, that, that would launch the specific action sheet that I was working on had originally been written in Objective-C. And so so that, you know, in order to, to do new Swift code, you just make object, you know, Swift extensions. And, you know, that in it causes its own sets of problems. And so it was like when I say developer roller coaster, this is something where had I kind of done it the old way, you know, I think that I would have been able to kind of slog through it very quickly. But since it was involving something that needed to be used by multiple people and I wanted it to be done right and extensible and handle all the different cases and support dynamic type, which, you know, it, only when it started working about hmm, one o'clock in the morning on Wednesday night or something or Tuesday night did I finally make some screen movies, which I, I sent around and bro, you know, breathed a sigh of relief and sang a little song into the microphone while doing the, the screen recordings to show to my, my colleagues. And I used the well-worn Simpsons, you know, uh, trope where I said, hi, I'm Troy McClure. You might remember me from such accessibility screen recordings as Lolomo Rowheaders. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Well, John, one, what, sorry, I have one last, you know, kind of technical suggestion for, for people that may find themselves in, in with sizing issues, if I can share that. Share your sizing solutions. Yeah. So, you know, this is a case where, you know, there are lots of tools for, for looking and ins visually inspecting the contents of a view and looking at, uh, you know, the, 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 the view inspector in Xcode. It is great. It really lets you see everything that you need to and rotate it in three dimensions and remove layers and so on and so forth. But it's like one of those things when you do it, you're freezing execution and it's, it's 
also can be dog slow. I mean, it, you know, you have a complex view hierarchy. It can take, you know, a minute for it's doing the calculation for it. It shows you every, anything. So, you know, what did us old developers do in the olden days? And so you would just basically put garish background colors to each of your different items. So you could do something for, you know, each of the different UI labels that may be in the cells and then the cells themselves with different colors and then maybe other elements so that you can actually, while the app is running, you can see very clearly where your calculations correct. You know, especially when you're trying to calculate a cell size based on the contents of a table view size, or, you know, a, a UI label size. And of course... It's effectively the... the um sizing equivalent of a print statement yeah exactly yeah exactly and and you get and what's funny is that you tend to choose simple colors like you know if i just want something i'm just going to attach the you know dot gray or dot you know dot red you don't want to you know just for quick purposes like that you use kind of these prefab colors not something from hex values to, to choose just the right shade of of magenta burnt umber uh, now, see that's 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 the bad move as well because if you use dot gray or whatever else, then that's subtle and you can, uh, you know, and, and you might forget to put one back and miss it. Whereas, you know, well, dot it, orange and dot lime green and dot yeah, neon. Exactly. <laughs> well, so that's the thing is that oftentimes if you have like white text that needs to be reversed out of it, you know, the darker the colors work better. And so, you know, yes, I tend to use things like yellow, but then it could be difficult and sometimes to see where the the type is is actually working. So. Uh, there, you know, dark gray and 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 light gray are good contrasting colors that work. Um, red works well, um, and so then you get used to, to to seeing it sometime, and then you think, "Wow, I really like it." And then you can make snarky screen grabs to your friends, like, "I know I'm not a graphic designer, but I think this looks really good." <laughs> can we leave it like this? <laughs> no. Anyway, so that was my adventure this week. It made me happy. But uh, last week, you said that you were going to talk about, you know, how you bottomed out. And so I think now it's time for you to share your tales of, of woeful success. That is a great way of remembering that I said something last week, but you can't honestly remember what it was. I can barely remember that where, where you ever say anything. Exactly. Other than that's, because, that's because I don't. <laughs> my job is to sit here each week and listen to your listen to your uh, your stories um no uh, that's, that's not quite true <laughs> uh no i was said to talk about uh i think i said going from cocoa pods to swift package manager was that the one i mentioned yes you were going to talk about your spammy yeah. success so i've i've spent the week on the dtk uh, the developer transition kit which i can't talk about the kit itself because it's under a fairly old fashion style Apple NDA. Remember those when you couldn't talk about anything? Uh, I can't even listen about it. Which you can't. Uh, I can't talk about what I'm doing on it now. Um, I moved money well across to the DTK just to find out how it um, it works. Now we use CocoaPods, and uh, CocoaPods doesn't currently work on the DTK. Uh, I mean, the DTK had been out about ten minutes when I tried it, so that's that's not a complaint against CocoaPods. Um, however, we've had a sort of a, a view that eventually we'd like to go to Swift Package Manager. Uh, but one of the reasons we couldn't uh, or, or needed CocoaPods is we were using Firebase as um, a back-end store. Uh, Firebase doesn't officially support the Mac, but it does work on the Mac, but only if you go through the CocoaPod. If you try and install the API some other way, it, it doesn't seem to work. Um, now the Firebase CocoaPod is enormous. It's probably got about thirty to forty of its own dependencies. 
So um, that that's never made me that happy. Um, now we're using Firebase for our thinking. Uh, sorry, Firestore, which is part of Firebase. Um, but now, of course, we have our syncing. Um, I'm going to say the word working, but it's like we, the principles of it are all working. Uh, we, and we know what our back-end requirements are. Um, they're actually simpler than we thought they were going to be, um, and, and we're not using that much of it. So the f first thought I had was, look, I don't like this massive dependency, because particularly, you know, I'm, I'm, I know CocoaPods will get itself sorted out and will work eventually on um, the Apple Silicon version of macOS. But, um, you know, when there is a, a CocoaPod that has dependency on, you know, 30 other CocoaPods, it's only going to take one of those CocoaPods not to make the transition. And that whole structure of our thing goes out the way. Now, of course, the Firebase client is enormous it covers all of google's firebase services which is analytics and in all sorts of crap that we just don't use um so my initial thought was look if we just if we just drop the firebase um sdk as a cocoa pod and we access it via uh, a rest api now we understand what we're doing uh and know what we're doing actually what we're doing could be done through a rest api to it we don't need all of this huge stack with sockets and, and everything else to make it work um not at this stage anyway um so i began to transition our interface to firebase uh, across to using the rest api which meant i could do that in a swift package and every other dependence we have is available as a swift package so at the same time I said okay this is it we could actually drop cocoa pods for this uh, and that will help me get everything running on the DTK. So I transitioned all our Cocoa Pods, our private ones, to Swift Package Manager stuff. And that literally took five minutes. It was very simple, um, very cool, um, and, and, and just put all up in the repo. Um, and then started writing the SDK stuff um, to do it. But unfortunately, I couldn't get some of the SDK stuff to work very well with Firebase. And then you would struggle to find any documentation with it as well and then you would find some documentation and it wouldn't work and then you'd find a comment against the documentation two pages down from like three years ago saying ah yeah this documentation is wrong you need to do this and that started to concern me if there is firstly very little documentation and then the documentation that's there has not been corrected in three years when it was wrong that made me worried about the future of the Firebase REST API, <laughs> um, if I'm honest. So, again, we then made thought, oh, no. We... <laughs> I, I started from just not wanting to use the Firebase CocoaPod to I'm not sure if I want to use Firebase at all <laughs> um, in this. Uh, um, and so I've spent the week trying other back-end services that allow me to do it with uh, the REST API. But the point is, um, we now do have a REST API uh, that is working. I've not quite finished it yet. Um, but uh, we've transitioned MoneyWell to uh, Swift Package Manager, which is a lot nicer than CocoaPods um, and seems to work very, very well. Uh, of course, we couldn't use Swift, Coco uh, Swift Package Manager for many things till the latest version of Swift because you couldn't put any resources into a Swift man Package Manager. You could only put code, whereas now you can put assets in there, such as uh, images and icons, etc. It becomes far more practical. So... That has been the first thing. Moneywell is now running on um, um, uh, Apple Silicon uh, um, Mac OS, which is good. Um, uh, but uh, we had to totally change our tool chain as well 
because we use lots of things like Swift Lint to do our linting. Uh, we generate our Xcode projects with Xcode Gen. Uh, we do some source code generation using um, Swift Gen and Sorcery uh, to do the repetitive stuff. Now, one of the things that doesn't currently work on um, uh, the DTK arm again is uh, Homebrew. Now, basically, Homebrew has become the de facto way of installing any tool. So I also changed our tool chain this week that um, we now build everything. All these tools work if you build them from source. So I feel like a proper old-fashioned sandal-wearing beard, uh, beard, uh, bearded, <laughs> cardigan-wearing geek because I've built my entire tool chain from source this week um, and implemented that anybody else can as well because we basically want the same tool chain on both versions of Mac OS. And uh, this morning I copied it all across from the DTK to my Intel machine uh, in a nice clean repo and ran the setup scripts and everything worked. So I am... Um, I'm feeling quite pleased with that. Wow. You, you, you get like the Richard Stallman Award. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I'm not sure I quite want that award. <laughs> I know, that's true. <laughs> yes, it's... Uh, uh, someone mentioned Richard Stallman in uh, relation to me this morning as well, actually. I'm not sure what that was. Um, you know, he's just somebody that comes to mind when you, yes, you were describing like the grey-bearded, you know, sandal-wearing hacky sack playing oh i know that's right we were talking about zoom and someone mentioned the uh the incident where he was uh picking his toenails while doing a conference talk oh right uh, uh, yeah. and uh someone said am i doing this on zoom at the moment <laughs> i have no idea why anyone thought that so yes yeah, so um overall um it's uh swift package manager thumbs up um using the swift package index by Dave Vera is quite useful, uh, partly because it, without having to go to all of the GitHub pages itself, when you do a search on the the um, package index, it brings up a bunch of things for you. And then if you click through to see the thing before you have to go to GitHub and off the page, it shows you um, loads of information about the package, such as when it was created, how old it is, how many commits have been to it how many open issues there are on it when the last PR was merged, when the last issue was closed, so that you immediately say, yeah, okay, this 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 thing's five years old, it's got five thousand commits, you know, it's got twenty open issues, the last PR was merged yesterday. That's a fairly active package, whereas one that's like, yeah, four years old, two commits, seventeen thousand open issues and no merged PRs, you just don't go anywhere near. Well, Scotty, I have to ask something because I'm, I'm, I'm first, first of all, I'm sorry, did I, did I cut you off? And you have more tales? No, no, of, no. Of... I, I am, I am, I have finished my, um, my monologue. That's good. All right. So, um, I am curious about one thing. So you, you said that you know, kind of, you, you would either interact with with the Firebase suite of Firehose services and stuff through Google's code or directly yourself through the REST API. And you said something about like, you know, and then they had all these dependencies and including things like socket library. So does that mean that Google says, here's your, your API at a code level, you know, at a client code level, um, and they don't, they don't even kind of use the, the normal kind of, you know, uh, uh, HTTP, you know, re request mechanism that Apple gives you. They use their own socket-based stuff. Well, okay, so you have to remember, Firebase used to be just a database, and that's what I think most people feel, you know, an online database, a real-time database in the cloud. 
I think that's what most people think of when you talk about Firebase. But Firebase is now the sort of branded covering name for all of sort of like right. Google's analytic services, back-end services for applications, basically. Um, so when you when you download the CocoaPod for the client for Firebase, you're downloading um, code that's going to interact with, you know, I don't know how many, a dozen services on there. Um, now, one of the one of the things for the Firebase Fire Firestore, Fire which one of the things that we were using, is you can have server side core um, uh, server side notifications. So basically, you don't have to keep polling to find out if some data's changed. It will tell you some data's changed, and I think that's where the socket libraries and everything is coming in. Right. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, this this whole list. If you built the CocoaPod, you know, if you use CocoaPod, it starts dragging all these dependencies, and there were hundreds of them. Um, basically, on the same machine, by moving by removing that package and um, moving to Swift, uh, Swift Package Manager instead of CocoaPods, uh, the app has gone from building a clean build in 256 seconds to 55 seconds. So wow. and that's just by mainly removing that package. That's how much it was building in there. Wow. So. It's, and it's a dependency I didn't like having, never liked having it, um, especially as it wasn't officially supported for Mac OS. Um, now, of course, we've got rid of Firebase altogether now, and we're trying a different backend, which I'll talk about another time, um, which is looking pretty good at the moment. But we're doing exactly the same with it. It's basically just a store that we're using to support our own, basically, sync service. Um, so it's, it's only got to support the give me everything since this and here take this stuff and look after it for me and whatever so it doesn't need to be that complicated um uh but it does need us to allow us to do some server-side functionality on it which uh and and equally this is going to be quite a big release for us there's a lot of issues about you know doing syncing and using our own sync service we don't if we're totally honest we don't we're pretty keen to use a hosted service to start with. Um, we don't want to be trying to keep people's data on our own servers, trying to maintain our own servers. We're not DevOps experts. Um, and so we are looking for hosted solutions. Now, part of the problem with hosted solutions is they're great until you get lots of data in them or lots of activity on them, then they become very expensive. And because we're like selling an app that's going to be you know, a few tens of dollars as a price or is going to have a, a you know a lowish subscription fee we we can't suddenly be getting you know tens of thousands of dollars a month in in sync service bills um because you know it's not like a SaaS app where people are paying for it in on a monthly basis um so it's a combination of all those things so i think we find a good answer uh, I'm going to give it another week before I tell you if it is or not and uh, what it is and why it's a good answer or not a good answer. So there we are. There's something else for you to forget next week, but you can remember that you have to ask me about something. I will do it in just that fashion. Well, Scotty, can I tell you about something else that made me happy this week? John, I love hearing about you being happy. Oh, that's good. So none other than the Freddy Fishstick sent me a nice email saying that he was out, uh, you know, out and about. So was catching up with the podcast. I guess he was like, you know, gutting and, and gutting salmon or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he figures, you know, if he's doing such a, you know, an unhappy task, he should have something similarly unpleasant in his ears to, 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 to help him get through it. Uh, no, so he was... <laughs> 
That's not what he said. I'm putting words in his mouth. <laughs> the I Developer Podcast, best accompanied with gutted fish. <laughs> that's true. That's what, that's what they basically said. Guts. I remember Mad, Mad Magazine used to have in the corners, you know, suitable for wrapping fish. Um, yes. Anyway, so it was he. He was he was saying, you know, hey, I was wanting to catch up, and he's saying, you know, thank me, thanking me for the, you know, he said basically, I'm glad that you found this like totally minor aspect of, of polynome to be useful for you, meaning that you know, with all the things it does, and it, it, it truly is remarkable. I actually keep. I keep finding out how much more sophisticated it is and, and get more and more impressed with it. But the, the baseline stuff of, of having a metronome that has a visual component to it uh, was very, very helpful. And he he listened to the James Dempsey, you know, recording, which I forgot to link in the show notes. I have to remember to do that. So we can get an additional one and a half listeners to, to listen to that. He said I, he thought I did a good job and he was laughing when I was talking about how, you know, when the, the initial tracks were built up that, 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 my audio track was shifted a quarter note to the right so that, you know, the, my rim click was, you know, on the, on the, on the one instead of the four. So I assume that that kind of thing happens regularly, but it was nice. So thank you, Freddie Fishstick for listening and, and writing. Um, Scotty, I don't know. Have you, are you going to open up your mail bag or, or tweet bag or, or wind bag? Um, no, because nobody <laughs> talks to me. They all talk <laughs> right. to you. No. They they just they they talk to you. I don't think anyone has spoken to me, not that I remember anyway. I mean, I have spoken to people, but I don't think they've necessarily spoken to me about anything on the show. Uh, although <laughs> I am I am in discussion with someone about something at the moment, which hopefully I might be able to share next week. Uh, not because it's secret, but because my next week I will have a better idea of um uh, of what I've been speaking about. So we should probably wrap that up, really, shouldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Scotty, if if people want to, you know, you know, give you new things to forget and to talk about, you know, next week, where might they begin that conversation with you? John, I would absolutely love it if someone spoke to me on Twitter as at MacDevNet, M-A-C-D-E-V-N-E-T. Like the and Mac John, Developer Network. It was. That was many, many years ago. Because this, people don't want to know, this started off, you know, the thing is, we, we could be up to lots of episodes. We used to do the Mac Developer Network show, and it was live, and we did, what, 100 episodes of that, something? And then I did my normal thing of saying, let's rename the podcast and start from episode one. And before that, we had done um, Mac Software Business, the Mac Developer Roundtable, Late Night Coco. So if I just kept them all as one podcast and going, I'd probably be on about episode 700 or something by now. But there we are. That's me. New and fresh. That's who I am, John. New and fresh. <laughs> okay. And you should have seen the fist I was raising into the air as I said it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. It's been a long <laughs> week shutting this room by myself. <laughs> Scotty the strong man. Now I'm picking my toenails on a Zoom call. Gross. <laughs> uh, sorry, John. So if people want to speak to you because you are a decent human being and uh, have the understanding of social etiquette, <laughs> why should they do that? Well, you can find me on a place where there's nothing but decent human beings with respect for social etiquette. Twitter, <laughs> where I'm Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. Excellent. Well, I'm I'm glad you your roller coaster ride ended in some sort of happiness, and um, I look forward to uh, whatever fairground attraction experience you've had in the next week. Uh, speaking to you, and um, I will uh, hopefully have something to waffle on about as well. So, uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. I hope uh, those fish are finished being gutted, and um, their heads have been taken off, and uh, they are now in the pot, and uh, 
a sweet chowder is uh, aroma is to replace the uh, the foul stench of this podcast. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And you take care.